Welcome home. How you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. I look, oh, you got to know, like the joy that, that fills my heart to be here in this place with you, praising God, lifting up the name of Jesus. Um, as soon as this service is over, I get, I get hungry uh, to do it with you again. Uh, so I hope, I hope you have some of that, some of that joy. Before we send the kids away, before we send the kids away, I just want to say there are two people who are with us this morning that we have prayed for. And I'm just so grateful. One is Eli McBride, and Elise is holding him, and he's doing well. And the other is Cindy Wick, and you're back there. And we have prayed for you both and lifted you up and asked God to bless you. And he did! And that's so great. So God bless you. Kids, it just gets worse from here. So go ahead. Go to Children's Church. Oh, no, I'm kidding. We're, we're, we're going to be talking, and... You're going to be hearing the gospel. We're going to be hearing the gospel. It's beautiful. Go, go, go. Um, speaking of prayer, we have a friend uh, who's also an elder. His name is Josh Pearson. I don't know where he is. You're back there, and you wanted to say a few words about prayer, so we want you to do that. Come on up. There you go, buddy. Thank you, sir. Yeah. seen how fervently they pray for their friends and for the campus. Um, and so I asked them, one of them one time, you know, why? I mean, uh, his response was, it works. And uh, looking at the numbers in here, I'm going to go along with that. Um, uh, I just, I was really convicted. These, these men are together almost pretty much every night of the week. And are asking me, you know, uh, to pray more with them, to do more things. Um, right. In fact, right now we've got somebody downstairs that has been on his heart to pray for the service. So he comes and prays for the service for the town and then comes to the evening service. Same thing at the evening. We've got people that are wanting to pray here. Um, so I just, it's really been on my heart. <laughs> like he said, it does work. Um, we're going to be starting up another prayer meeting Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock before the service, because uh, I know a lot of people can't make the Wednesday night one. Um, we also pray Wednesday nights at 7. Um, and Austin Adams has been wanting, he's been bugging me, and my schedule gets busy. And if it works, I don't know why my schedule gets so busy. Um, we've had a couple all-night pray-ins and worship sessions that have just been awesome. He wants to do that once a month at least. They did one last night, and he will be in charge of the next one up and coming. He's decided, you know, I kind of asked him to because I get busy and and uh, doesn't. But uh, Second Chronicles 7.14 uh, was a verse that was given to me uh, along with prayer works. Um, if you will humble yourselves and pray um, and seek my face. And turn from your wickedness. Then will I hear from heaven and I will heal your land. And the question was kind of put to me. Do you want to see Gunnison healed? Do you want to see the college healed? Do you want to see people know to come to Christ? And I said, what would this place look like if I even picked just one person I know I work with that isn't saved and prayed 
as fervently as they're praying for the college and for this town. Um, and I would just urge each one of us to do the same thing. Thank you, man. God bless you. We, oh, yeah. We got a lot to do. We got a lot to do. Uh, I want to uh, welcome you. This is week one of a four-week series that we kick off today. It is called uh, Ornaments. And each week between now and the end of December, we're going to talk about some of the decorations, some of the trappings of the Christmas season, and how they can either draw us to or distract us from experiencing a deeper Christmas, uh, a deeper celebration and experience of the incarnation, which is the fullness of God being compressed into a seven pound, 10 ounce, give or take, uh, baby Jesus, and, and how, uh, how we can experience him in his fullness uh, as the risen Savior, and, uh, and we want to do that. Now, uh, some of you are saying he's going to be picked out gifts. I can, I can see this coming from a mile away. I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. I know what he's going to tell us. He's going to say, gifts are bad. Gifts are bad. Blah, 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 blah. Somebody get a big King James and club me over the head and wake me up when it's over. Um, just hang with us because I, I, think, I think you might be surprised. Um, uh, by, by, by what we unpack here. So first of all, I want to call attention. We're going to be, if you want to kind of get your Bibles ready, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that's where we're going to be. I encourage you to open up there. We'll have the verses on the screen. Uh, we also have some baptisms today, so got a lot to do. It's all good. I want to call your attention to the back of the bulletin. Uh, as we talk about gifts, we want to start with the, the giving part um, up in the top, um, I'm not a math whiz, but um, we have posted the year-to-date giving and the amount needed. Um, year-to-date giving has been just over $200,000, two hundred four. Um, the budgeted amount needed is $252,000. Uh, uh, it doesn't take a lot to realize we're about $48,000 off, off budget. Now, what does that mean? Um, does that mean that the church uh, has this incredible need? Uh, it, means, it means that God's work, um, as he's used this local body to go forth, um, has, has some need, uh, has some need. And what does that mean? I mean, are we just talking to all older people who have lost track of how much money they have? No, um, this is for all of us, all of us. You say, well, I, that's a huge number. That's a huge number. Um, it is, but we serve a huge God. And um, it's not with selfishness uh, that, we, that we pursue this. It is for his kingdom and his glory. Our purpose is to see everyone in Gunnison and and Western State College know Jesus Christ. And, and, and they're needy in our community, and they're hurting in our community. And uh, if, if we can't be whole, um, then it's hard for us to reach out in the ways and feed and clothe and comfort and in the ways that God calls us to. So uh, I just want to put that before you. Uh, yesterday, we got a letter from uh, an anonymous, uh, somebody who just didn't want their name known because they want God to get the glory. Um, we're not actually 48 behind. We're, 
about 38 behind because they've done a $10,000 challenge. And that's beautiful. You say, wow, uh, I, can't, I can't really put a dent in that. I, I can't give much toward that. Um, I got three bucks. Um, there was a young boy who did not have much. Um, he had uh, essentially, I, I've said it before, a Lunchable <laughs> that he brought to Jesus, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. And, and Jesus essentially um, served the town of Gunnison uh, with it and uh, had leftover. So he can do something with what we bring him. Um, and we need not think of it as giving to this building um, or this, um, this service. Uh, it is about giving to God, and, and I just want to put that before you. Um, we've done some wonderful things this year. We've uh, come up with 30 dollars for um, a widow who was struggling, and, and that's the kind of thing we want to continue to do. We've had 37 people uh, make decisions for Jesus Christ uh, this year. Uh, we will approach 50 baptisms in 2009. That is all the work of God. And if that's something you believe in, um, from the least to the greatest, the greatest to the least, um, we own that. We own that. So I just want to share that with you. It's really rough uh, talking about that, especially if you've invited a friend. We don't do this a lot. We don't do this a lot. So I, I, if, you, if you have love in your heart and, and God is there and he's prompting you to do something, I just want to encourage you to do that. Okay. Um, love generated a lot of giving in our, in our text this morning in 2 Corinthians that blows the, the stimulus, the economic stimulus. Is that a word you can use in church, stimulus? Yeah? Yeah, okay. Of... of of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, just blows it out of the water. I want you to take a look. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and about giving financially to the work of God. Uh, there's this other church in Macedonia. And Macedonia is a, is a poorer church and they have, their back of their bulletin looks a lot like ours. Looks a lot like ours. So he's writing to the church uh, in Corinth, the Corinthians, about helping out uh, the church in Macedonia. And, and here's what he says. Um, starting in, we're going to start in verse 5, chapter 9. So Paul is writing, So I thought it would be necess necessary to urge the brothers, to urge the members, to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised. See, there's a gift that they had promised uh, that they were going to help out. Uh, and he tells them in, in his first letter to the Corinthians, the 16th chapter, second verse, he says, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. Uh, get ready. Uh, as, as God might prosper you in accordance with how God has blessed you so that there will be no collecting when I come. When I come and, I, and it's time to do this, I don't want you scrambling. I want you to plan ahead. This is important. This is the work of God. So that's what they had promised. And, uh, and he says why. So that it might be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Um, to be like us giving a gift to somebody we love, it's out of the overflow of love that we have. 
It's not out of compulsion or somebody pressuring you. It's not like pulling teeth. It's not like a quid pro quo. I go so I give so that I can get. That's not the point. In verse 6, he said the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, here's he, he's usually farm tech, uh, terminology. This would have been very familiar to a lot of them. He's saying, if you want to raise acres and acres and fields of corn, you don't take one grain of Orville Reiterbacher and you throw it out there and, and go to bed and expect that to happen. No, you back the trucks up, right? You plow it up and, and there's seed all over the place and you water it. And, and he's saying, just the same as we understand about planting fields of, of harvest, just the same as we understand it that way, this works in terms of giving. He's not really talking about seeds. He's talking about how we, how we give. And, and that's what we, we really want to do. If we want to reach Gunnison and Western with the gospel, we have to plant more than a kernel. We have to back the trucks up. And here's what God says he's going to do. Each one of you must give, verse 7, as he decided in his heart. It's a heart issue. He didn't say, as you've decided in your bank account. He says it's a heart condition, right? If you decide in your heart through through God working on you and you reflecting and, and loving, not reluctantly, or under compulsion because somebody is poking you and prodding you and giving messages about this and, and saying, you know, you're a good person if you give, you're a bad person if you don't give. It's all about love for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the word in the Greek, the original text that, that Paul wrote out that we have for cheerful here is the word hilaros which we have gotten the word hilarious, which means God loves a hilarious giver, someone who gets so much joy out of living beyond themselves, as Ryan says so often, as in giving for the souls and the blessing and the work of God and the blessing of others that it just wells up in them in such great joy, in so much hilarity that it's almost like laughter. It's almost like you're watching the episode of The Office when Michael burns his foot on the George Foreman grill. You get that, it's just joyful. This is incredible. Do you, you're, you with me? That God is seeking people who so get the love, who so get the joy that he has poured out upon them that they can't hold themselves back. They can't help themselves. It's, it's incredible. That's what he loves. Verse 8. I want you to take a look in response to God's generosity. This is all in response to God's generosity. Look how God gives. Verse 8. Look how he gives to you and to me. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, everything you need, all, in all things, at all times, you may be abounding in every good work. This is all out giving. 
God, the God of the galaxy, the God of the universe, the creator God who has everything, everything we own, everything everybody else owns, everybody, everything we haven't even seen belongs to him and he has poured it out. All things, all times, all sufficiency, all grace so that we can abound in every good work, everything he has called us to do, um, including reaching the town and the college and loving our families and our friends and sacrificing and rejoicing always, regardless of circumstance. We have it. As it is written, uh, as it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given gifts to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. Now here, I want you to take a look at verse 10. Very interesting. This is where uh, the prosperity garbage, I mean gospel, um, gets it wrong. He who supplies seed right? He who supplies seed. What are we talking about? Seed. What are we talking about? Flow. Money, right? He who supplies seed to who? To the sower, not to the shopper, right? It's all about our motivation. He supplies seed to the sower. He supplies resources to the giver. If you're Motivation, it's all about motivation. Is your, if your motivation is, God, please bless me so that I can be a blessing to your work, to your kingdom, to the people in my life, to the people in my town who are hurting, who are, who are suffering, who are living without the good news of Jesus Christ, I want to pour it out. The more that you bless me, the more I can give. And that's why I begged you to give. He says, he's going to do that. He's going to do that. But if your motivation is, Lord, I want you to bless me so I can get that 210-inch flat screen or join the Botox of the Month Club, or the deal's off. Deal is off, man. There's no guarantee for that. I would say that the pros- if we call it the prosperity gospel, that we're going to give so that there might be prosperity, Oh, he's into that, but it's prosperity in his kingdom. Uh, Not in ours. Not in ours. And here's the catch. When we make sure his kingdom prospers, that God prospers, his will prospers, we have the joy that we're seeking from the 210-inch flat screen TV and the Botox of the month club that that could never deliver. Never deliver. Okay, here we go. Uh, multiply. Okay, so he who gives seed to the shower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness and you will be enriched in every way and in every way which God, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. He, he will enrich us in every way so that we can be generous in every way. Um, and, and that's a beautiful thing. And it will result in thanksgiving to God. It's all about God. Their life, their stuff is about God. They're giving to him. They're loving him. They're receiving from him. They're worshiping him. They're reaching other people for him. They're submitting and serving to him. They're submitting all that they have to him because all their joy is him. It's all about God. And they're so overflowing in thanksgiving even as they're relinquishing that which they have otherwise held tightly to because they realize how cool and wonderful 
and blessing he has been in their lives and it just flows out, just flows out. Paul needed the Corinthian church to get this, to really get this, uh, what an awesome giver God is, uh, how important his work to redeem a lost and dying world is, and the absolute joy of giving um, to God who has given us so much. Paul needed the Corinthian church to get this, and we, you and I, uh, need to get this. I have a friend who, who gets this in a wonderful way. His name is Paul Jacobs. He's one of our trustees, and uh, it's one of the pillars of the church, and he gets giving in a beautiful way. I've asked him to share a few words with you. Uh-huh. As Tom said, I'm Paul Jacobs. Uh, I'm a trustee here, and <clears throat> there's a scripture, Psalm 50, 12. If I were hungry, I would not mention it to you. For all the world is mine and everything in it. Uh, this principle of everything being God's, I learned about 27 years ago, right after I became a Christian. And um, we are to be obedient. That is what I was called as a Christian, to be obedient with what the Lord has given to me. And uh, I have struggled, uh, like any most young families, uh, raising my children. I was in over my head quite a few times. Um, and the Lord, uh, through the church and through his faithfulness, and uh, I believe that he helped me have the ability to be faithful to him and always tithe. Uh, he showed me from a very, like I said, 27 years ago, the importance of giving back to him what is already his. And I um, uh, just saw him move miraculously. And some of the neatest times are when I was down and out, extremely uh, broke. <laughs> but being able to see him move in my life. And without those experiences, you can't experience his faithfulness and uh, his picking you up and lifting you up. Uh, I could go on and on about the experiences that God has done in my life financially, but um, there's there's a story out, there's a book out there called The Pineapple Story. It's an awesome story uh, that really drove this home to me, and I, I got it about 27 years ago when I was learning this, the teaching of uh, giving everything to God, acknowledging that everything I own is Almighty God's, uh, my house, my my. My, all my property, my cars, vehicles, and uh, just giving it to him. And then when you have a problem with something, uh, Lord, your, uh, your vehicle's not running real good. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly freeing and uh, delivering when you do run into these issues. If you really let go of it and give it to God, you know, we all hear that saying, let go, let God. But what does that really look like? Anyways, in this story, the pineapple uh, story, it's about a missionary who was in the South Pacific on an island uh, ministering to um, the native people there. I can't remember the island. It's been a long time since I read this book. But uh, he uh, decided to hire on some of the uh, natives that he was ministering to to um, plant pineapples for him. So he cleared out a huge field, planted pineapples, paid them wages, whatever that looked like for that, that uh, people group. And... Uh, Pineapples take three years to mature and grow. 
And uh, I think they come around, they're normally coming around the wintertime. So three years growing these pineapples. <laughs> Guess what happens? The natives that helped plant them for him <laughs> started stealing them. <laughs> and so he, uh, he got really ticked off. And then one year happened, they took them all. And then the next year happened, they took them all. And he started confronting these guys. You're stealing my pineapples. No, you, we planted them. Yeah, I paid you to plant them, though. And uh, it became this real conflict where it was really hard for him to minister to them. And he started withholding as far as withholding medical, medical uh, things from these people he's ministering to. You know, not a real good example of a missionary. But he was so mad. He wanted pineapples so bad. And they would snag them just before they were really ready. But anyways, he went, to a, he went to a seminar, the same seminar I went to, that taught this principle of everything being the Lord's. So he came back. With a, with a new, uh, you know, this in his mind, this literally giving it all to God. And he gave those pineapples to God. And, uh, and so next year came around, and they, they started stealing his pineapple, the, the pineapples again. And, they, and then they noticed his, his attitude was different. And they said, what's going on with you? He goes, well, those aren't my pineapples. Those are God's pineapples. You're stealing God's pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they said, oh, and I forget the missionary's name, but they go, so-and-so has become a Christian. He goes, no, I've always been a Christian. Well, now you're looking like one. You know, this is, how, this is how key this can be in our lives as we view our, our personal items, our things, our possessions. So it spoke volumes. And these, and these natives says, no wonder why we're not fishing and hunting as well as we normally do. No wonder why things are happening to us that aren't as good. We're stealing God's pineapples now. <laughs> so it was... Uh, an incredible lesson and um, very simple, but he did start enjoying his pineapples. They quit. They left alone God's pineapples so he could have some of them. But uh, that's something to think about. You know, you can, you can get caught up at the whole 10% thing as it was talked about in the Old Testament. 10% the tithe. I don't struggle with that. I believe we are free to give over and above our tithe. And anytime we do that, we can expect more blessings, um, you know. It's if you want to want to get legalistic, uh, 10%, I believe, is scriptural. Jesus says, give unto the Lord what is Lord's and unto Caesar what is Caesar's. He didn't give us, I don't believe, a new commandment as far as a different amount, 10%. But I think that's a, a basis that um, the Jewish culture, the Hebrews, you know, they, they, um, they believe that. And it's in our Bible. And I think it's something that's still biblical for us today. But... That's, that's something, y'all, everyone has to work through, um, I believe, as a Christian. But, you know, my goal is always try to be able to give more than that um, as the Lord leads and to be sensitive to his, his voice, his leading and guiding as he, as he provides more to be able to give more. And that's, that's an awesome blessing. So uh, I think I probably took plenty of time. So thank you very much. God bless you, my friend. Don't get it wrong. The message here is not that the church wants your money. But if you have a microphone, we could probably use one like that. That, that still works. Um, anyway, it's that God wants your heart. God wants our heart. And when he has that fully, everything, everything comes from it. I, I want you to see the beauty of this whole ornament thing uh, that they have, uh, I think, in recognition of this series, put out a Diet Coke in the shape of an ornament. It's a beautiful thing. You see it all ties together. Okay.
So here, we're going to talk about gifts, right? Gifts. Here's our little prop. Here's our ornament gift. Jump down to the 15th verse of the same chapter. He leaves off in verse 11 saying, which God will produce thanksgiving. This will produce thanksgiving to God. In verse 15, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, for his inexpressible gift. Okay, who are we talking about here? Who's the inexpressible gift? All right, good guess, good guess. Now, uh, I'm not gonna say that Christmas is not about gifts. You may have heard that. I think it's wrong. I think Christmas is all about gifts, is all about receiving gifts. My part is, I think we just settle. We, we settle um, for like cheap, crappy gifts rather than seeking the much better stuff, um, the best stuff, the best gift. Getting the best stuff was what my Christmas youth was about. Um, back in the day, before the internet, they had a very cool thing called the Sears catalog. And, and you know this is a long time ago because Sears was cool. Sears was cool. Um, and they published this catalog, full color, full pictures. It was the size of a New York City yellow pages. Families would use it as booster seats for their smaller children. Uh, you had to pick it up and use your legs or you'd throw your back out. It was huge. And what I would do, I had this Christmas ritual. They had about 300 pages devoted to toys. And I was seeking the best thing. So I would do this and, and they would have a picture of, of every toy with the description. So there's a photograph. It's like an IHOP menu. Right, and they have a picture of the food so that drunken hillbillies can come in at 3 a.m. and go, that, that, I want two of that. The flapjacks are that. So I wanted that. If you're a drunken hillbilly with us this morning, I don't mean to offend you. God loves you. So what I would do, I would go through the 300 pages. This is my exercise. And I would only be able to circle one thing because I wanted the best gift. Circle one thing per page. So I had 300 things and then I whittled them down to 100, to 50, to 25, to 10, to 5. This is very emotionally draining for a seven-year-old. And then I would come up with one, the best gift. Because I wanted the best gift. This particular year was Stretch Armstrong. You older folks will remember this. Do you remember that? He was kind of a buff, uh, superhero kind of guy, um, a lot like myself. And he had arms and legs that would stretch. And because he was filled with this gray, oozy goop. Uh, but you only know that if you cut off one of his limbs. Um, he had it coming. You only know that if he gets in a fight with G.I. Joe, and, uh, and he did, and G.I. Joe had to cut one of his legs off with mom's electric knife and get that ooze all over my father's recliner. Um, day after Christmas. Oh, the joy continues. 
But as I said, he was asking for it. He had put Joe's arms where his legs belong, and his feet were coming out of his shoulders, and he got it. He, he got it. So um, I got punished, and I got the rest of the Stretch Armstrong taken away, but it didn't matter because Stretch Armstrong came in a box that had like a cellophane front that was like perfect for fitting over your head. And you could look through the cellophane and talk through it. You know? And my cousins and I did the box head monster. We chased each other around. And the box was actually more fun than the toy itself. Those of you who are parents, this will drive you to brain damage. Right? You stand in line for the gift. And the first day, it's great. And then after that, they like the box. It's cool before you get it, and it's cool right when you get it, but when you get it, it's just not what you really want. There's other things, right? And we still do that, right? I mean, whether it's a car or clothing or all the stuff that we wanted sort of is hollow, and and so we do it again and again and again, and we end up playing with the box because we did not seek out the best gift, the best gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. It's Jesus. Christmas is about gifts, and it's the gift of Jesus. So that's the inexpressible, uh, indescribable, incredible gift is Jesus. And you say, yes, I know. I know I received him once. There was a time when I prayed a prayer, when I raised the hand, when I walked the aisle. I received that gift. It is so much deeper. It is so much more beautiful. It is so much better that, uh, than, than any of us, regardless of how long we've been walking with him, how long we've been believing him, um, can even imagine that if you made the purpose of your life, the reason for your existence, to plumb the depths, to find the outer rim and edges of the goodness and the greatness and the indescribableness and the, and the incredibleness of the gift that is Jesus, you will have only scratched the surface. And so we have eternal life because it will take the coming millennia and eons for God, even in his presence, to unfold the beautiful nature and wonder of the gift that is Jesus Christ. What are we going to do in heaven? Keep discovering how much he loves you and has blessed you and has provided for you. It is a gift that is beyond measure that does not leave you with that hollowness. And, and those of us who have received it should be so engulfed with how wonderful it is that we just, we just want to live in it. We want to swim in it. We want to find more about it. We want to know it more. And, and my, my charge to myself and to you is that if we can open that gift more and more and more each day, we're going to realize, oh, what an incredible gift. What an incredible gift is ours in Jesus Christ. And everything in our lives will change, not just the way we give, the way we love, the way we serve, the way we extend grace, the way we take care of our friends, the way that we cut slack to people, the way we, we seek God's best in their life the way we worship everything, everything, everything. You say, yes, Jesus came in the flesh. He came, and, and Ryan talked about it, and he died on the cross on our, in our place for our sins, and he rose for our salvation. Yes, that's the gift, and yes, that is part of the gift, but it is so much more. It is so much more than that. So I want to take a look. I just want to inventory some of the things real quick 
to show you how indescribable and wonderful it is. You can write these down. Matt posts things on the internet. I'm a nerd. I don't do that. So you can really read the podcast or jot these down. We have, as part of the gift, acceptance by God. John 1, 12. But who, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the gift. He gave the right to become children of God. If you're fighting for acceptance from God, it's a gift. Cash it in. Open it up. Play with it. Enjoy it. Relish in it. That's yours. He gives us a new family, the church. 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I came from a wrecked family. You have a new family. He gives you new mind, new thoughts. That's in Romans 12, 2. A new heart, Ezekiel 36, 26. I'll take your heart of stone. I'll give you a heart transplant. I'll give you my heart, a heart of flesh. We get a new heart. We get new lives, a new home. John 14, 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you but I'm going to prepare a place for you. If you're homeless, if you don't like where you're living, if you never feel at home in your own home and you're homesick for a place you've never been, he has a place that he is preparing for you. We get a new home in Jesus Christ. We get a future. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to curse you, but to bless you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter one. We got like a 16 pack of gifts here. It's all, it's, it, this is like the bulk gifts. And I, I could go on through the whole chapter, but I won't. Check this out. Blessed be the God and Father, the gift of a father. You don't have a father that's still alive or one that has reflected the heart of God to you. You get a new father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing. Everyone. In the whole world, he has blessed you with this in the heavenly places. That's another one. Even as he chose us, he gives you the gift of choosing you. No one ever chose me for a team. Nobody ever chose me as a friend. Nobody chose me as a spouse. Nobody chose me. He chose you. What a gift in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. He gives you the gift of his holiness and blameless. People blame me for everything. I grew up with three sisters. I was blamed for even things I didn't even know happened. <laughs> we walk around with guilt and blame. He gives you the guilt, gift of blamelessness. There is no blame. He knows things about you that you have thought, said, and done that you don't even know of to repent of. Blameless, guiltless, no condemnation. What a gift. Before him in love, he gives you the gift of love. You can love the way you cannot love. You can reach out in the way you cannot reach out. You can have grace for people who get on your nerves, for the jerks in your life, for the family members in your life for the friends in your life that don't know how to live like friends. He gives you love that you cannot have without him. He predestined. He gives you the gift of predestination. Now, don't, don't freak out. With this word, a lot of Christians freak out about the word predestined. What it really means is predestined. So he gives you the gift of predestination for adoption as sons. You've been adopted. He chose you as his child. You have your, your family, and if it's a good family, if it's a loving family, Great, you got an even better family. He has adopted you. If, you. if you've always said, I never had the family that some of my friends have, you do. 
He has offered to adopt you, to choose you, to be your father, to be your Lord, to give you a family in the church. It's beautiful. The gift of adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. You have the gift of his will. You don't know where to go. You don't know what the best for your life is. You don't know why you're here, what you were designed for. He gives you the gift of his will, his perfect plan for you, to the praise of his glorious grace. He gives you the gift of his glorious grace, which was when he blessed in the beloved. That's this grace right here and everyone who names the name of Jesus Christ and follows him everybody who belongs to Jesus Christ belongs to everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ that's a gift to you I know some people don't make it seem like a gift we want to make it seem like a gift you know what I'm saying yeah we don't want to be creepy and mean in him we have redemption the gift of redemption through his blood the gift of his blood the forgiveness of sins our trespasses the gift of forgiveness According to the riches of his grace, the riches of his glorious grace, the gifts of that, which he lavished upon us, the gift of being spoiled. Lavished means poured, overwhelmed with. That's how he loves. That's how he blesses. And in all wisdom and insight, you don't have a clue? Good. You got a great God. He's got all the clues. And he's going to unfold them for you. That's a gift. Wonderful. 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 I just want to share one more with you. I had a ton, but... But we got, we got stuff to do. His joy, his peace, his spirit, his hope. Romans 15, 13. Get this. May the God of hope, it says, fill you with all joy, the gift of joy, and peace, the gift of peace, in believing, the gift of belief, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of his spirit upon you, over you, in front of you, behind you, within you, you might abound in hope, the gift of hope. It's more. It's deeper. We could go on all day talking about that. Put that on your Christmas list and open it. And keep opening it. It is deeper and wider and more glorious than you could ever imagine. Christmas is about gifts. It's about the gift of Jesus Christ. It's about the best gift the best gift. And when we buy presents, it should be an overflow and expression of that. There's nothing wrong with buying things for people in your life to show them how much you love them. That is what God has done. But make sure that you receive the ultimate gift and keep receiving it and exploring it and relishing in it and enjoying it and savoring it. Just don't settle for the crappy ones or play with the box. Because like we all do that, don't we? To some degree, we settle. God loves you too much, too much for you to settle. Some questions. Some questions that we should ask ourselves. Is more of the stuff that has never really brought me fulfillment, is more of it what I most need? Is more of it what I most want? Because that answer will lead you to the next question, which is, what is my real treasure? If your real treasure is something other than Jesus Christ, then we have idols. 
we have things that we put before him. How do I know if that's true? Look at the real Christmas list that you've written or just thought. What is that which I most deeply desire? Uh, what I most need? Um, was it on sale on Black Friday or Cyber Monday? Or I doubt it. I doubt it. The answer might be found on your Christmas list. What gets you excited about this season? What wakes you up early on Christmas morning? Is it the crappy stuff? Or is it the deep, inexpressible, glorious, unsearchable, wonderful gift of Jesus? If I advertised something that I would call the great Christmas giveaway, all the papers, it's in the shopper, it's on the radio. Harv Reese is talking about it. Everybody's buzzing. It's the great Christmas giveaway. Tom is going to be on the corner of Maine and Tameach, okay? And Wednesday at 10 a.m., he is going to have truckloads of those Zuzu hamster things that you can't find. He is going to be giving them away for free. He's giving away iPod Touches, 64 gig. He's giving away the Kindle e-reader and everything else you got. Free. And if you don't know what any of that stuff is, you need to get out more. Um, this is a great Christmas giveaway. It's all free. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter if you have a lot, you have a little, you've wasted everything you've ever touched. Doesn't matter. You come. It's free. Wednesday, 10 o'clock, how many people would show up? It'd be a stampede. It'd be a mob scene. All right. Because it's free. Everybody wants that stuff. Wednesday at 10, be there. How many would show up on Sunday at 10? to receive the free gift of Jesus Christ and all that he is, all that we just talked about, and more, not, not too many. Jesus is the most inexpressible, undescribable, incredible gift that nobody wants. That nobody wants, really. And even some of us who have received it um, in the past have been all too willing to trade it for junk. Junk. That's the gift. We'd rather have lifestyle than life. As many often our greatest hopes and dreams for ourselves is stuff, stuff. So we have families, we have individuals, we have friends who have trees that have stuff piled up and on Christmas morning they'll have more clothes and more toys and more electronics and more gadgets and more whatever you got. And they're dying inside, dying. And... Jesus is here. Jesus is here, and 
It's like holding a $100 bill and starving while you're standing in the middle of city market. There's all that food, and you've got the means to purchase it. But this is even better because it's free. And the great gift of joy and the gift of hope is here. It's Jesus. The gift of security is here. It's Jesus. The gift of truth and freedom is here. It's Jesus. The gift of a new mind and a new heart and a new life is here. It's Jesus. And it's the most incredible, indescribable gift that no one seems to really want that much. And so for the part of that that's true about us, um, we need to repent of because we can have all those things or we could have a new phone which excites you more. We're going to close. How um, the love of your life, a man, a woman, a friend, a parent, a brother, sister, whoever, you have spent all that you have ever owned on the most precious gift. And you've wrapped it and you've left it for them. And you wait. You wait for them to um, receive it and open it and to see in it your heart. And it, it remains unopened. Christmas after Christmas. How would you feel? He's here. He offers us the gift. Elijah, this gift is for you. I've put your name on it. It's yours. But when does it really become yours? What do you have to do? It's yours. You got to know. You got to come up. You have to take it. Or else it just, you got to block a styrofoam with some glitter, buddy. You don't have to open it. I don't want to spoil the surprise, but that's what you got. <coughs> you got to come and you have to receive it. And when you open it, realize that what you see is just scratching the surface. Live in it, relish it, love it. Let it infuse your entire being and explode the barriers that you've had with people and with God. You will never find the end of it. It's inexpressible. So why did you go on for a long time trying to express it? Because it's a joy. I want it for you. He wants it for you. Christmas is about gifts. It's just about the best ones. Amen. Let's pray.